Hello everybody and welcome to the Late Flag, the aftermatch podcast of the LFC Robert Poets podcast. Tonight we look back at last night's League Cup game against Bournemouth, played in horrendous conditions. I'm your host Les Lawson and I'm joined by Tom Keegan and Pete Warburton as we reflect on Liverpool's 2-1 victory against Bournemouth. So Thomas, I'll start with you mate. So around about... What would time would it be? About quarter to seven, the team dropped. And I think it's, it's fair to say it was a little bit stronger than any of us thought it might be. Is that a fair comment, Tom? Yeah, towards seeing some Bosley and, and Mo playing was a bit of a shock. But um, I think I think he got it spot on, didn't he? You know, when you when you looked at it, at the balance of the side, I know we'll talk about individual performances later, John John about but like the balance was perfect. I think, you know, with with the blending of the youth, I thought I thought the midfield was strong. I think the as you said, the conditions were were, were just horrendous. But the, the team selection, I thought I, I was more than happy with that. I mean it seems that he's taking the competition seriously, isn't he? So so yeah, so fair play to 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 Jürgen. I think he got the team spot on. Pete, does it just show though that the the strength in our squad that we can make so many changes and the team still looks, you know, really, really strong and uh, you know, and even though you know I said in the introduction there that it was possibly a little bit stronger than we anticipated, there was still a number of changes, wasn't there, from the game at the weekend? Yeah. I thought it was stronger than he may have gone with, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the weather played a part of that. Maybe he didn't want to put too many, you know, of the younger ones in, and because they knew they were going to be up against it yesterday. The 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 weather was a, you know, it, it was the old adage, wasn't it? It was a bit of a level of the the weather. Um, and then you look at the bench, you know, from the starting lineup and, and Scanlon the pass, it looked a very strong bench as well. So I think it is showing, you know, it is showing the the depth that we've got. And that was without, obviously, Louis Diaz, Robbo and Thiago and Bacchetti. And it'd just be even stronger if those four were fit. So, yeah, I think it is showing the depth that we've got. And as I say, it was a wee bit of a surprise. Uh, uh, Jared Quanter aside, and uh, you call him a kid, but he's played in some, you know, he's played in Europe and he's played in Premier League games now, so he's certainly not a kid in that respect. He's growing up quick. Um, I thought it was a, I thought it was a decent side, but slightly surprised. I thought maybe if the weather wasn't as bad as it was, maybe Scanlon may have got a nod to play. Um, you know, from the start. Um, I'm not sure if if Luke was was Chambers injured again or was he not in I the squad? I don't know. I don't know, Pete. There was nothing. There was nothing said about him being unavailable. Yeah. Where did he, he where did he put, just wondering yeah. whether he might have put Scanlon on the bench because he he's more with them having Virgil and Canati on the bench. He was virtually covered the centre back, but with having Scanlon on the bench, Scanlon could also cover. If he wanted to on a wide midfield role as well as left back, yeah, yeah. So that could have that could have tipped the yeah. scales in 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 Scanlon's sort of favour to go on the bench. But I must admit that I was a little bit surprised when I seen the team and seen the Costas was starting. But having yeah. said that, Tom, it might be good for Costas, mightn't it, to get to get the games under his belt to get some rhythm into him. So we can sign up his level because you know we've we've all admitted that 
you know, he's he's done okay since he's come back in the team, but he hasn't been he hasn't been sort of he's been average at best really, hasn't he, Tom? And we know he can we have seen that he can do better than that and he just needs to try and I do up his level because I do think that it's a big it's a big couple of months coming up for him because obviously if he doesn't take this opportunity even though you know, he's just signed an extension to his contract, there could be question marks over his future. Would you sort of agree with that, Tom? Or... Yeah, I think very much so, Les. I think as we said before, you know, in one of the earlier podcasts where, he, where Randy Robbo got injured, I think we were saying, well, it, it, it's hard really for a player who's not been playing a lot of games to just sort of come in and hit the ground running and find uh, you know a level of consistency. And I think that that that's been the problem for the first two games. He come in after the uh, international break, didn't he? And he got in. He done. He done relatively all right without being spectacular. But you know, I I, I think you have hit the nail on the head. You know, with with these two kids uh, coming through with Scanlon and, and Luke Chambers. I think the pressure is really on him because Andy Robbo comes back after just just Christmas or after, and like you know, these two kids are only going to get better, aren't they? And they're hungry and they want to they want to improve. So, so you can see, you know, he, he he has got to sort of find a level of form. So I suppose games is what he really needs. So again, I thought it was clever by Jürgen to play him again, even though he's playing him more or less every week. But um, I, I think he, that's what he's got to do. Otherwise, as you say, he could find himself at the end of the season, you know, like moved on, which would be a bit be sad to see him go because he's such an intricate part of the squad. But as you say, he, he needs to find a level of form. But again, I, 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 I wouldn't be too harsh on anybody last night for, 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 you know, for the, with the performance because... They were horrendous conditions, as as Pete said about the leveler. It really did, was it? It was a game. Of, it literally was when you could talk about the, the the infamous game of two halves. It really was, you know. To be fair, well, yeah, Pete. Um, Tom texted me at half time, and he only seen his message sort of at the end of the game, and he said he said the half time, you know, the the way this wind is, Liverpool would be lucky to keep a clean sheet. In this game, so that's how bad you know the conditions were. Um, I mean, the game, you know, they they created a couple of half chances in the you know in the first half, didn't they? But as I always felt that Liverpool were in total control of the game, and you know we we sort of had a few chances ourselves before you know before we eventually took the lead. And I thought I thought Harvey should have done better mm-hmm. with the chance that he had. You know, yeah. from the edge of the box, I thought it was a. He hit the ball straight at the goalkeeper where where he was. He had he had the options to, you know, to put it in the corner really, and I don't really think he he hit it as well as he could. Um, and you know, we had a we had a few little bits of, you know, pieces from corners where the ball just didn't quite drop for us before. Mm-hmm. Cody got the opener, and I thought it was. It was a good poacher's finish by Cody because people say, well, he's only two yards out, but they're the ones, really, that strikers have to be in that position to be able to take the chance. And I just thought that it was at the point that that went in, I thought, 
that's the start we need now. Hopefully, we can get another one before half time. But that didn't quite happen, Pete. No, <clears throat> I was watching it with me lad, and I said to Jack, I said, could do with getting a couple here ahead if we can. I said, because like you've, you've already mentioned, I mean, there were passes there that looked probably fat, you know, really good passes, and then the wind just took the ball. And I said, we might be better playing against the wind second half. Sometimes it, it, it's actually better to play against the wind. Um, but I was hoping by half time we'd be a couple up because, it, like Tom was saying when he texted you, it was going to be difficult to keep a clean sheet. And in fairness to Bournemouth, every time they got a corner, particularly on their left, the lad was swinging it in right under the bar. Uh, I think Joe Gomez cleared one off the line. And a few times, Callagher was, you know, really under pressure. So, yeah, it, it, I'm not saying their goal was coming, but you, you could you could tell that if they got any sort of set pieces within that that sort of region of the pitch, they were going to sort of bombard the uh, the area. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we had a couple of going forward in the second half. Still, we had we we made a couple of chances and we looked to play some nice stuff. But it just wasn't the it wasn't the conditions really to play nice football, and it was it was quite evident when we got a goal kick and um, Kelleher took the goal kick and it nearly came back back to him. The wind just took a, a right thingy and it blew back and he tried to make the halfway line and it almost ended up back in his own box. I remember long years ago, same thing happened in a European tie and someone shot. And it was going out for a goal kick and, and the wind brought it back in and Sammy Lee controlled it and, and we scored from it. I think it was against Benfica, I think. Um so it was definitely it was definitely a game where we have to try and keep the ball on the deck. But um yeah, you know, and and we and we showed that we showed some spirit as well coming back after conceding a goal because their tails were up. And um and it wasn't long after their equaliser that we went ahead again. But it was just a very difficult night, and it was just one of those that you you want to get the result and get out of town, sort of thing, and and go on to the next game. Tom, I thought, considering the conditions, just to go back to the first half a little bit, that we we played some decent football in the first half, and as as was touched on earlier, there was a couple of passes that that the wind just took, didn't they, and took them away from players. I mean. Kwanzaa paid one lovely pass over the top that looked if it was just going to go right into the path of Joe Gomez. And uh, next thing, the wind took it and out it went, you know, for the goal kick. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think in the first half, really, we realised how bad the conditions were. Or, or, you know, or possibly they might have just worsened in the second half. But considering, I don't think... You know, as you said earlier, I don't think you could criticise any any player who who come on the pitch for the performance yesterday. I thought everybody did as well as they could, you know, in the conditions. Um, and I just thought Liverpool played some some decent football in very difficult conditions. Yeah, I think I, I think you're right. I think in the first, you know, all the athletes. I think first of all, I think I think. The wind got stronger, if anything, because uh, Peter pointed out then with, with Keller and with the goal with the goal kick, which he tried to kick downfield, which come back. I don't remember that happening to the you know the Bournemouth keeper. So I think the the conditions certainly worsened, didn't they, as the game went on? 
I think even the shots, I, I think they, they had a couple of really good long shots that he started to take a pot from quite a distance out. In the first half, we, we did the same, but we never really, we did, the wind never seemed to carry the ball. As, and as you said, it never carried it as well. But I, I, I think you couldn't really judge your passing. So any passes that you put in, was as you said with Clonza, it just it went out. So it was chances like that. So when you were keeping close control, I thought we looked more dangerous then, you know, when we were trying to work it through them rather than sort of try to sort of play it long and try and run into the space. But when we went out wide, I thought Curtis did well in the first half. I thought, you know, he moved the ball around quite well and kept possession well. And I, I, I so and I, I think Sir Bosley, I, I again just epitomizes what 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 a what a fantastic player he is. Again, you know, and and showed the different sides to his game last night because he had to he had to dig deep last night, and I, I think that that really impressed us. So as you said, I think where did you look and you think, well, we could have done with another goal or two. I, I don't think at half time we realised that that. The conditions had changed so rapidly because, like, from the second half, it, it started sheeting down, and then the wind started howling in it all around the stadium. So it was uh, it was a strange game, Les. Pete, do you think? I mean, you touched on it earlier um, before Tom spoke about you know Alex Scott, you know, taking the corners from um, our right hand side, um, their left. In the second half, and you you mentioned that that he took one, and Joe Gomez sort of headed it off the line, and then I think he took another one, and the lad it, it's the lad sort of headed it, you know, into the into the side netting, and then I think it was the third one he took was when they scored. Do you think Liverpool should have been more switched on at the back for that goal, and sort of knew what was going to happen and where the ball was going to go? And should have had a man basically at the back post, you know, ready for that for that scenario. And do you think at that point that was where they missed sort of Virgil to organise them? Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure. Me and my lad were discussing. I don't know if if you class them as they, they certainly don't seem to mark man, man to man on corners. They seem to do this zonal. And the only thing with zonal is if you you mark your zone. And the ball doesn't come to you. You're just passing the responsibility onto a another, whoever it may be. I could see at the time when they equalised, I I thought maybe we should have certainly got closer to Clivers, but I think Joe Gomez was was thinking about the previous corners where they were right under the bar, and I think he was at his station literally for that cross that you know he could have almost scored direct from a corner two or three times that lad. So I think they were stuck, stuck between two stools, to be honest. Did he go and go out and sort of mark one of the lads in the box and then leave that, you know, that post open, or did he, you know, did he, did he mark that post in the event that the ball comes right under the bar as has been doing? So I think, I think they were, you know, the, defensively, I think we were stuck between two stools. Now whether that means you bring everybody back into the box and more or less man mark. I remember years ago there was a there was an argument because when I think Rafa was boss we um we did this zonal mark and then a few of the pundits who seem to know everything but don't know anything if you know what I mean were saying about 
zonal marking doesn't work. And I think we went on a run of so many games without conceding. It was it was fantastic. So I think they'll stick to this zonal. But as I say, the only thing with that is it's quite easy to pass on to the next player behind you and, and blame him if something goes wrong. But um, I, I just think if, if it had worked the other way and Joe Gomez had been three yards off the line and it had gone straight in, we'd have, we'd have moaned about that. So I think mm-hmm. they were just that, that lad specifically was putting really good crosses in under the bar. And I was a little bit no, I was I was quite happy actually, but I was a little bit surprised that they didn't bring Kiefer Moore on a bit sooner off the bench because he is one awkward player to play against. He's all arms, legs, and he's a big strong lad. And I thought they may have brought him on a little bit earlier to try and ruffle, you know, ruffle the back four up. But I think he came on after AC minutes, if I if I remember rightly. But um, yeah, it was it was one of them games where we just had to defend well, and by by and large we did. We defended well, and we saw out the threat, you know. Tom, so you know they equalised from a, from a set piece, and then you think, you know, this could get a bit tricky now, especially now they've got a bit of bit of momentum. It'll give them a bit of confidence, you know. And and, and as as has been discussed earlier, you know, the conditions meant that we were finding it difficult to get the ball, you know, into their half to create chances. But then all of a sudden we seem to get a little bit of momentum and create a couple of chances for I think Cody had a shot that that was saved. I think Mo Mo had Mo had one that wasn't quite dropped for him. And then, you know, what a goal by Darwin. Um, you know, you know, that'll that'll teach the um opposing fans to mock him for a but a poor touch in a blooming in a hurricane, you know what I mean, and and he cuts inside and absolutely wallops it. I think it was past the goalkeeper before he moved, and dare I say, it was Luis Suarez esque for his goal that he scored in the league against against Stoke City, you know, all them years ago. So and it just continues Darwin's really good form this season, and as I said before. On this podcast, and you know, we've we've all discussed it, sort of, you know, between us as well, um, you know, in in texts and whatever, is that, you know, he's becoming into a really good all round centre forward and and forward, isn't he? And the 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 improvements on him from last season is there for for all to see. You know, he looks as though he's enjoying his football more. He looks as though. He knows now what he needs to do, and he, you know, and his teammates know how to get the best out of him as well. And the other thing I think as well is, I think if he misses or does something now that that sort of you know knock, knocks his confidence a little bit, he doesn't let him affect it anymore. Whereas last season, you know, he'd have been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it, and then it would have affected his performance for that. For the rest of the game, but not anymore, Tom. Yeah, I think he's. Do you know what? I, I think he very much has. He, he, he's got. I, I thought first of. I, I, I've got to say first of all, I think he's got this belief in himself now. He knows he's comfortable in his skin. He's comfortable in the team that we were playing. We, we did say we, we touched over it the other day about about him, and you know it. It's this belief he's got now, I and mean, he's carrying it out onto the pitch. He's an integral part of the team, isn't he? he, he there's just a belief about him. I, I've watched this goal. 
I've watched this goal. I must have watched it about about twenty five times, thirty times, and I've been looking for this 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 bit, you know, this terrible touch. And when you watch the ball, the Trent does, the ball comes in front of him, and it bounces. So it wasn't really a touch where he's brought it under control and miskicked it. It the ball got away from him, didn't it? And fair play to him, he chased it turned as they were mocking him at that stage and as you say he cuts in he beats two men as he cuts in and he just smashes it into the net and what a goal you could have had 20 goalkeepers in there they ain't saving that very as you said about similar to Suarez I think it was the bend but underneath the crossbar you know there's no keeper saving that it, just, it was a brilliant goal and just sums the lad up with this you know like it, someone, some, some, some. I had a go at somebody on at um, a thing, your journalist on Twitter today because he said, you know, he could score thirty goals. Yeah, he could score thirty. Did you see it? Thirty yeah. goals in a season like that, and I, and I still wouldn't call him world class. <laughs> and you know, I, it, it's, it's the stupidity of these people. Do you know, like not even take, not even taking into consideration, this lad is a highly talented footballer. His movements, his his awareness, his as you said, his confidence, everything about him is just unbelievable. He's twenty three or twenty four years of age. He he's a baby. He hasn't even started in his career properly yet. He's only going to get better as, as we go along. And that's a terrifying thought, Les, isn't it? Because you're just watching him develop into this into this really, really good player. We all thought he'd score, you know, goals this season. He'd get more than he got last season. But you know what? The, the world is this lad's oyster, you know, because he can. he's got so much to his game. And as Gapco... I said that the after goal, he said we expect these things at Darwin because we. He, I'm laughing to myself then, as 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 he as he he said himself, he said um, he we 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 expect these things from him because he does it in training, he does it often, you know, like all the times, and so we see it all the time with the talents that he has, but you know we've we've found ourselves a real real. Top top player in the Suarez world, I might add. Pete, thing, so thing, it was a goal made thing, in Uruguay, Pete. Yeah, the, the thing is, if you remember when he came over last, uh, well, the season before last with Benfica, was it Benfica who was playing? Yeah, no doubt, then he was causing trouble all night with his runs and his. And I think the thing is, I, I was watching a bit of LFC TV before. And they showed the game from years ago at Bilbao when we, we went over to Bilbao and got a 1-0 win and Rush scored with a header. And I'm, I'm certainly not going to put pressure on Darwin Nunes by likening him to Rush. But how many times did Rushy get chances and, and for whatever reason fluffed them? There was two or three in that game in Bilbao where he skied one over the bar and he misses another one. But he was always there and I think that's what's happening with Nunes. Haaland misses chances every game. He also scores, and that's all you hear from the Genos. Oh, Haaland scored again. Quite a lot of them are penalties, by the way. And I think with I think with Nunes, he's not letting the snipers get to him. 
And if he misses one chance, he'll be back to the next one and he'll be back to the one after that. But that, that one last night, it wasn't even a chance. He just got, that was all his own work, wasn't it? And like you say, all the Bournemouth fans were, would you hear him? I mean, for him to even keep the ball in play on a night like that was, was something else. You know, you couldn't say you miscontrolled that he actually did well to even keep the ball in play. And then to cut inside and unleash a shot like that, I think everyone was, you know, even his teammates were gobsmacked by it. But um, like Tom was saying, this lad's going to get better and better. And I think he's another one. We, we spoke a lot at the end of last season and we have done at the start of this season by saying how other, how other parts of the team are benefiting from this midfield. And I think Darwin Nunes is. I know the pass last night. Um, I think Trent actually went into midfield, didn't he, when he came on? Because Joe stayed yes. on. And I think he's benefiting from this midfield because he, he's getting the right feed now. He's getting balls into the channels and he's making the runs. I mean, the goal he scored against... Um, West Ham when McAllister chipped it into him, he wouldn't have got that last season because we we didn't have the personnel to to even do that. So I just think all round, I just think the team's benefiting, but especially him. And I just think, like Tom said, if he just puts his his mind to it, he can go. He he can be a superstar. This lad. Yeah, Tom. Pete uh, touched on it there. You know when when the substitutions were made in the second half. You know, Trent come on and immediately went to play as the six with McAllister moving, you know, to the to his more favoured sort of left of the the midfield three or the left eight if you want to call it that. And you know, it, it was an interesting move by Jurgen, wasn't it, to take Endo off and and put Trent in as the you know as the six because when when you you know when you seen the substitutions were being made or oh. Wonder what he's going to do here when he had to, who's going to go off because all you know the back four was playing really well and originally I thought well I wonder if he's going to move Joe Gomez to left back mm. and take off Costas you know and move to put Trent on at right back but to put him off at the six it was an interesting move Tom yeah but but you know Pep Linders has always said that didn't he he said you know he's he, that's where he played Trent when he was younger. He said he played in the six and was comfortable in there. He, he's got so many. There's another player, as Pete just said, then and you just alluded to Les. He's got so many strings to his bow, Trent. He he's comfortable in the six. He's comfortable as the attacking fullback. He's comfortable wherever he goes in the inverted role. He just he's just a naturally gifted player, and like as as you said, like. Once the once the, the changes up, I was exactly the same. I was thinking, well, this is going to be strange because I was, they took Curtis off, and 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 they they took Elliot off, and they've took Endo off. And you think, well, you know, like how is it going to work? This, you know, the the setup. But again, Jürgen knows his players and knows what he what he wants. And I thought McAllister did did, did better a little bit further up the field. He looked a little bit more lively. And we, we started to get older, as you said, we started to get all the ball and then instead of trying long balls and trying to knock it, we started to play the short balls to the players and we looked more effective than we. And, but as you said, I thought I thought Trent's move into, into midfield was a master soak as well. But on the night, I, I just thought overall, I think it, it's difficult. You, you know we're going we're gonna to talk later on about man of the match, and, but... Realistically, you could you could have picked anybody for for the performances because everybody gave something in that performance, didn't he? 
Yeah, Pete, you know, you were talking before, you know, about, and you, you, Tom's also mentioned it about the conditions being a great leveller. And they were because you actually, you actually wonder, don't you, what would have happened to Bournemouth had it just been played in normal conditions where Liverpool would have been able to get out and the wind wouldn't have been, you know, affecting them the way it was in the, you know, in the mm. second half. Because I just think that, you know, especially, especially when you look at the substitutions we, we could make from the bench, I just think we'd have just freshened it up. And just, we'd, I think we'd have won by about three or four, you know, if, if the conditions had been anywhere near normal and not playing in a hurricane. Yeah. Thing is, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Bournemouth because at the end of the day, they are the Premier League side, albeit down the bottom half. Um, but yeah, when I said it was a level of it, it sort of favoured it favoured them rather than us. That the weather now, whether we'd have pardon the pun, but whether we'd have um, we'd have gone on to score a hatful if it had been you know better conditions. I don't know. As I say, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Bournemouth because. Um, you know, the, it's not like the, the only thing that's little about them is is the capacity of the crowd. You know, the, the on the day they can they can hurt anybody. To be honest, and I know that at the wrong end of the table, but you would have thought all things being equal, if if it hadn't have been such horrendous conditions, we'd have had enough flair and enough tempo in our game to to score more goals. Yeah, but um, yeah, it, as I say, it was just one of those games that you. You see over the course of every season where you just want to get your result and, and get on the bus or the plane, whatever it may be, and get back home. I wouldn't fancy getting the plane home last night. That's one thing. I'd have got the bus. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have fancied getting on one of them. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, as I say, without without showing, you know, disrespect to Bournemouth, I think if it had been, you know, better conditions, I think we'd have won the game. You know, a little bit more ease. I know. Yeah. I know you like flying, Les. You say. <laughs> I was just going to say it would have been one of them, one of them situations like in Athens when we all got chucked off the plane because they had too many people on the plane. I think mm-hmm. if you'd have had a plane full volunteering to get off, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. I don't think they stayed there. They, they stayed overnight, no, did Les? No, they come back by coach, Tom, after the I game. Thought they, I thought they stayed. Coach, yeah. No, they come home yeah. by coach. No, sometimes on the south coast, like Southampton, Brighton, they fly down, don't they? Yeah. Would that because it would have been it would have, that would have been some journey on the way back? Yeah. 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 Just gonna say then, Tom. You know, um, you know, I'll, I'll just mention it now. You know, Jarrell Kwanzaa or sixty million for Levi Colwell. You know what I mean? What's your what's your take? Oh my God! Well, do you know what? I'm not gonna. I wrote it last night, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna change. I thought there was lots of brilliant performances, but my God, he was sensational. That kid last night, in the conditions, he he played like. You know what? Do you know? Someone, our Paul said something like this when we were chatting that, that this morning. He said, "You know what? He played like like a young Virgil Van Dyke. Like mm-hmm. that is the greatest compliment you could give. Like it, because uh, that's what he was like. He was yeah. just, he was sensational. He won everything. He, he, you know, like he put tackles in. I thought Joe Gomez played brilliant as well last night in in the two, you know, in the two role as well. Now I thought Curtis had a really solid game. They would have been the three, but." 
I thought, I thought, Kwanzaa, Jesus. Knowing we were saying, you know, when we earlier on, he, for the, whatever reason, we thought that he might have been a bit slower. But yeah, he's got everything, Les, hasn't he? He's I mean, literally got everything. Yeah, Pete. You know, he was very, he's calm on the ball. He's good. He reads the game really well. You know, he doesn't look overawed. He's got decent pace. He just looks at coming to the side, and you, you know, if 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 you were going to the game and sort of with a guy who you know or a girl who'd never sort of seen much much of Liverpool playing, and he said, "Where did he sign this lad from? How much did he cost?" Mm. I said, well, "You know, didn't cost us anything. He's just come through the academy." Mm. They go, "Wow!" Because he reminded me. Some sorts on the little bit of a, a Virgil van Dijk, but I don't want to even put more pressure on him. But he might reminded me of a young Alan Hansen. You just way, take, you just way, take exactly what I was going to say because he, I agree with Tom about the van Dijk. But you know, there were times last night, you remember that, that run and interception Hansen made in the 5 0 against Everton, yeah, and the blue ball. And he was doing things like that, and he, he was Hansen esque at times last night, as well as being robust in the air, you know, when he had to be. And like Tom said, he, he's just a fantastic find. And, you know, if, if you're led to believe that we were going all out for this Colwell guy, he, he saved us a hell of a lot of bloody money, this kid, hasn't he? And and they're not scared of putting him into the team either. Tommy, he, I mean, it might not have been sort of eye-watering defending, but I think he made two or three exceptional pieces of defending in the second half. Yo, two old two highlights here. One where there was a one of their players got free on the left hand on our left hand side, and they played him in. And you you thought for all the money that this is going to go in our right hand corner, and he he slid across and and made him slice his shot, and it went mm-hmm. behind for you know for a goal kick. And then you know Pete mentioned before about you know Kiefer Moore. He thought he would have come earlier. There was one again in the second half where they got to the byline, put a crossover, and for all the money, you know, you're thinking, God, God, this could be right on Kiefer Moore's head. And and there was big Quans, you know, just there in the right place to head the ball out for a for a corner. And the good thing was when he headed it out for a corner, he headed it out on our uh, left-hand side, which was there right, which the corners were as dangerous from that side. I just did. I just thought he was exceptional last night, Tom. Would you uh, would you well, agree with those pieces well, of defending? Yeah, but brilliant. There's another one you mentioned, all the shots. I think he, he went behind for the side. Man. I think it was Clive, wasn't it? Might have been. Yeah. You know, like, and he, uh, you know, like and he was one of the players who impressed me on the night for them. I thought like he, he'd done all right, to be honest. But I, I thought... Jarell, he's he's going to save you, as you said. It's going to save you an awful lot of money, as Peter said. If we were led to believe, as we were going for Colwell, I would have loved Colwell. I said to you after seeing him in the, you know, in the the, the Euros, you know, the under twenty ones international, when in the Euros, he I thought he was exceptional there. But this lad, this lad's got everything. He's only a baby as well, Les, isn't he? Yeah, he's just, you know, like. But the thing is, with him, we we've got to, you know, like, and I think he's got the best manager in in the game to do it. You play him when he's needed, and it's, as you said earlier on, 
I think we wouldn't be afraid to put him in against any team as you put him in if we were in if we were in dire straits and like we needed to, to you know like to put him in alongside any of the defenders, you wouldn't you wouldn't feel scared, would you? Whoever you know, like he, he's got the he seems to have like as you said, he seems to have that he's another lad you can see who, who not only who, who plays the way, you know, like he plays the Liverpool way as you would expect, but he plays with also belief in, in his own ability and like they them type of players, they they're meant for great things, aren't they? They're, they're destined them, fellas. He doesn't panic. He doesn't. He look. He read as you said. He reads the game like a seasoned professional. He's just a tremendous player, tremendous prospect. There was, there was a couple of times last night that, to be honest, my heart was in my mouth because he was trying to play out from the back, and it was understandable the way the wind was carrying the ball. And a couple of times, Girell had the ball and thought he's going to get caught here. But he, he didn't panic, like Tom said. He didn't just fluster and hoof it into touch or whatever. And as I say, you, you, you've got to have, first of all, you've got to have your own, you know, you've got to believe in your own ability to do that. You know, in the last third of the field, when they're closing down on you, he, did, he, he didn't try and look for the out ball just up the line or, as I say, hoof it out. And he, he's got to, he, as well as, He's got like quite a languid style, I would say. He's, he's he looks not lazy, but he he doesn't look flustered. Nothing flusters the lad at all. And it, as I say, even when they were closing him down, when they were two one down, and they were trying to push up on us, he he never once you know looked out of place. And um, you know he's come on at Newcastle when when we were down you know down men there and and stuff like that. And he's 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 not let it fluster him at all. He's not panicked in any way. And you know he, he probably won't keep his place for the Saturday, the Sunday game this weekend. But if he had to come in for whatever reason, you just wouldn't worry at all about him. You, you're just confident in him. Yeah, he's he's just a, another member of the squad now, isn't he? And a very good and decent option, you know, for centre back along with you know, along with Joe Gomez and Joe Matip. He was backups to Virgil and Ibu. So you know, I mean, I, I mean, as you know. And I've mentioned this before. I watched him with, you know, me and Barry, you know, were big watchers of the, the under 18s and the under 23s. And when we first seen him playing for the 18s, we both said him and Lee Jonas were a really good partnership for the 18s. And he they really stood out, both of them, when they were playing against you know other other teams at that level. But then when he moved up to the 23s. He was played at right back a couple of times, and he never really, he never really sort of stood out as as though he'd he'd sort of moved to the next level with with ease and was again showing his quality. And then obviously goes on loan to to Bristol Rovers last year, which must have taught him an awful lot about about what the game's like in the lower divisions. And then he's come back. Gone on pre-season with the with the with the first team, really sort of impressed and, and and sort of pushed himself to the fore, and now has took his game to another level because I watched him playing for the the under twenty threes the other week again with with Luke Chambers sort of played in the same game and honest to God, it was like he was watching a different player. He was so far ahead of every other player 
that was on that field for either team. That it was it was just a joy to be old. You thought, wow, this lad is just so full of confidence now, and got you know re- really in a good place and knows knows where he's going. And the world is his oyster now. He can be he can be as good a centre back as he wants to be, and I just hope that you know over the next sort of few years, I think we'll really see him pushing. For the place as a first choice centre back, if it is if his um, you know, developments, you know, uh, and performances continue to improve. So I was well impressed with him last night. Anyway, we'll now move on to to the man of the match, and I think we'll start with you, Sam. And I think we know where all this is going. I think it will be two one somehow, because I think I think Pete's going to name an Hungarian somewhere along the line, maybe. So go well, on. Sam. Yeah, again, you know, like a, a player you just mentioned, you I, I thought I thought Curtis played really well last night. I thought Joe, uh, uh, Joe Gomez was was done really well, but and I f- forgot about Joel as well. Joe again just comes in at this age and just you know like he just ex- he just gives out this assurance to the players around him. And, you know, like he had a, a really good game, but. As you couldn't pick anybody else, I couldn't think of any pick anybody but Kwanzaa. I thought for the for for the age of the lad and the conditions that he played in, and when we were under the cosh in the second half, I just thought, I just thought he was amazing. I thought probably at Kwanzaa all day long. Pete, I know it was winding you up then, but seriously, yeah. you know, he was yeah, he was your man of the match. I was going to say unless Warrington's become a principality of Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> because we've we've spoken all nice about how elegance that's another phrase, another word you can use. His elegance, his toughness, um is is not panicking on the ball and, and for a lad of such young years, he he was you know, I know he's a tall lad, but he was head and shoulders for me. Uh there were some other good displays like like uh, Tom said Gomez did well. Nunes when he came on did well. Um, even Mo Salah stayed the full ninety, I think, on the pitch, and he, he worked hard. But you've got to give it to Girelli. He was so, he, he was almost like a calming influence at the back when we were under pressure. And um, yeah, I'd I'd say Girelli was it easy. Yeah, yeah, I thought Girelli was head and shoulders above everybody else on a on a night in really difficult conditions where everybody you know, played to a level that you couldn't really complain about anybody last night. Again, I thought Joe Gomez did well. Um I thought Harvey Elliott did well, you know, in the first half, despite you know the the, the goal he should have scored, but he, he had a he, he had a hand in the goal that that sort of he did score with a good shot that the the keeper parried out. But yeah, it had to be a big Jarel Kwanzaa for me. You know, a really masterful performance from a a very, very promising young player and you know, just hopefully he gets better and better and better. So we'll now move on and look forward to our game against Luton on Sunday. And just before we start to think about game that game, I'll come to you first, Pete, on this one. I mean, maybe a lot of the our younger listeners won't really remember Luton's plastic pitch, but I think it's something that, that like, 
uh, Liverpool supporters of our age are maybe slightly younger and slightly older will absolutely used to curse that plastic pitcher Luton. And the mm. other thing that used to really wind me up is they were, I think their chairman, if, if, if I remember rightly, was a former Tory MP called, was it David Davis? Yeah. I'm sure his yeah. name was Davis. Well, that's but he was, anyone up really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he was, and he was very, very vocal in in sort yeah. of trying to get, you know, f- football supporters to carry ID cards and and all yeah. that, and, and he I was. Think, yeah, I think the catalyst for that, and in a way, I'm not saying I agree with him at all, but I think the Millwall game was the top ass on that, wasn't it? When Millwall went something more <sighs> less, wrecked the place and caused about three three pound fifties worth of damage to the place, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, the plastic pitch, I remember, I can't remember if it was that game or a QPR because they had one, but I remember Graham Sooners coming off one of them pitches and he was absolutely ribboned because he went in, he went in slide tackling and doing whatever he did and he, he came off, I think it may have been at Loftus Road to be honest. But yeah, it was, there were games against them, there were, there were some infamous games, there was games where all their fans turned up at Anfield, but they said they couldn't make it up for a replay or something, couldn't yeah. they? Because yeah. of the snow. But all the fans turned up, but they yeah. never... And it it was just like a bit of needle and that. But once again, it, it's going to be a tough ask because I know they've only got, I think, five points this season, Luton. Um, but once again, it, it's a ground similar to Bournemouth last night where it's, it's very tight. It's going to be a small crowd. I think Liverpool have only been given about seven or 800 tickets or something like that. So it's a very small ground. Um, and you look at some of the results, and I know the first couple of results back in the in in the in the first division, as I'd like to call it, still they got thumped at Brighton and they got thumped at Chelsea. But you look at some of the more recent results, and they're only losing games by the odd goal. And even at Forest, the way they were two down with not not long to go, and they came back and got a point at Forest, so they've got a lot of heart this team. And I watched them against Tottenham a few weeks ago, and Tottenham had a man down. And they eventually come out 1-0 winners spares. But God, Luton had some chances. Luton could have had the game put to bed before before half-time. They had some really good chances. So I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk at all. I think we're going to be in for a, another another day of, you know, aerial bombardment. They've got two or three big, strong lads who, who are going to run the channels and who are going to cause havoc up front, really. And I think we just need to do as we did last night and stand strong. And if we can get the ball down on the deck, which thankfully is grass now and not the plastic. Um, we should come out okay, but I'm expecting a tough game on um, on Sunday, to be honest. Tom, I think the the game Pete was referring to there was in the 1987 FA Cup, where Liverpool were holders of the competition, and we got thrown away to Luton in the third round, and we drew with them. I think it was nil nil on their mm-hmm. plastic pitch, and then then. Back in the day, you know, the replays were held in the midweek after, and we had um, we had there was bad snow at the UK, sort of I think on the the Tuesday stroke Wednesday when the game was due to be played, and as Pete said there, their fans were able to get up for the game, but Luton it was reported had a lot of injuries mainly to the defenders like uh, Big Steve Foster and Mal Donaghy back in the day. So mm-hmm. they would have had to have um, fielded a bit of a weakened team. And they decided that they were going to travel and use the, 
the sort of weather as an excuse. So the game was the game was called off when the pitch in Anfield was perfectly playable because of the undersoil eating. The game was eventually played at Anfield, which 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 miraculously when the game was replayed, uh, all Fulham uh, Luton's injuries had had cleared mm. up, and we ended up drawing one one, and then there was a toss at the end of the game to see where the the second replay would be played, and we lost the toss, and had to go back and play on the plastic pitch again, and I think we had a couple of injuries at the time. And we ended up losing, I think, 3 0. Mm. Is that, that, that Mike Newell game, Les? Um, yeah, it, it, it might have been, he might have been playing around about that time, Tom. But yeah, yeah it, it was it was a it was another night game. I always remember I always remember Clive Tildesley doing the commentary and and threatening to he, he said if this Luton fan doesn't shut up shouting at me, I'm gonna hit him in a minute. <laughs> and that's why we all that's why we all loved Clive, you know what I mean? Yeah. He just used to say it as it as it was. I think people like Mark Seagraves was involved in the Liverpool team that day. But yeah, the the, the, the going down to play on the plastic pitch was never a, a pleasant no. experience, was it, Tom? No, it was horrendous lesson. Do you remember? Go on, before, yeah, I was gonna say just before your answer, you know you mentioned about the third replay or the second replay. Yeah. I might be wrong, but I thought they tossed up prior to kickoff. They might have done. They might yeah. have done. I just we know that we lost they, the toss. It was all going round. Well, if 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 it's a draw, it's back at Luton. And we said, well, it doesn't necessarily work like that. And he said, no, they've tossed up and um, it's back at Luton. So they had yeah. something to play for when they come up then, didn't they? Yeah, Every that's right. The ball was kicked. Go ahead, Tom. Sorry, man. Yeah, no, it's okay, Pete. Yeah, just... Um... It was just a horrible place to play, wasn't it? It was as Peter already said, it's like it's like a it's a it's a small closed in ground, like it housing the states all the way around it and literally literally proper housing the states, proper houses on the back of the pitch. You yeah. know, like so so it's it's not it's not the greatest of grounds, like but um as you say it they're a funny they're a funny outfit, aren't they? This, this Again, people Peter nailed. They, they, they got a two-one win at Everton, didn't they? Earlier, like you know, they're a funny, they're a funny side. But I think the difference, in in my eyes, I think the difference with with this Liverpool Liverpool side, even if they play the bombardments of football and the big players up, do you know what? The, we we the three of us or, and whoever we've had on as a guest. Uh, uh, all gone on about the same thing. The way we break from midfield and attack was so dangerous. And like you feel like you feel like Liverpool have got the ability to carve open anybody. And I, you know, like just just the quickness, the way we break. We we as as you, you we've said over over the last couple of pods. It, it we play sometimes. We we look and we say, God, we play so slow. And we wish we could just up the pace. And I said, I think I said that on the last time. They remind me of like like AC Milan, the way AC Milan played. You know, on that that great side with 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 Hullet and and Seedorf and and you know and the um the way they break, the the slowing possession, they knock it round, knock it round, and then all of a sudden the breaking at breakneck speed with three, four, five men. I didn't. Was so dangerous, and I think it seems like Luton 
and and teams like that away away away. I think I think we'll we'll carve them up. Again, if, you know, like I think we we'll score a lot of goals. I I, I see us winning there. To be honest, Pete, and uh, just thinking about the possible starting eleven for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Just going by what you and Tom said there, I'm I'm not sure or advocating that this will happen. But do you think there's a possibility that that maybe Joe Gomez could start at left back with his extra height instead of Costas? And also, we take it that both McAllister and Sabozliai will start in midfield. But Mm -hmm. now Curtis is free from suspension. Do you see Curtis starting in the left-hand side at eight? Or do you still see maybe Gravenberch keeps his place? And then hopefully by hopefully we'll hear some good news maybe in the next twenty four hours with regarding Lewis Diaz. Mm. But you know, obviously Cody's now fit again. Who do you think would be the um, the front three? I've I've got a bit of a curveball. I, I always write me side down that I think I'm not always a hundred percent, not even ninety percent sometimes. I've still got Joe Gomez at right back. And I can see you both raising your eyebrows and what the bloody hell is he talking about? <laughs> the right strength came on and played that role last night. I've got a back four of Gomez, Canarse, Van Dyke, and still leave Costas in. Obviously, change Ali, bring Ali in in goal. But I'd put Trent in that sort of number six. And I put McAllister and Sabo's life further forward. And the front three, I've got Salah, Nunes, and Jossie. Now, as I say, come Sunday. I might be I might be totally off skew, but I'm just wondering if if what the the coaching staff saw last night when um when Trent came on in the mid you know in the role he did, I'm just wondering and Joe had a good game they might keep it to that. I'll probably be totally wrong and they'll bring Trent in at right back and then bring Gravenberch or I you know Curtis Jones in. But that's the that's the team I put down. I put Trent in his like the number six role if you want. Interesting, Pete. What do you reckon, Tom? Good shouts, Les. He's, he's usually pretty good piece on 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 the line of, I, I I think he might stick with Costas at, at left at left back because he's, he needs games. I think he needs a run of games. I think he could play Joe, but I think he's more likely to bring Trent back at, at at right back, the inverted right back. And again, I think he'll probably start with Canate and uh, and Virgil. I think in midfield, I think that was a good shout, Les. I think, I think he'll start with, with probably Curtis in midfield. And um, he'll have McAllister as the six and Sabozla as, as the eight. And um, up front is the strange one, isn't it? I think because Jota, you know, like uh, he's got Gapco, he's got Jota, he's got Nunes. I think he might start Nunes away because I think he's a, he's a threat. In, in away games, I think he's he's more dangerous when he's running at teams who tend to push up a little bit. So I think he might start. Again, I think he'll play with Mo. I think Mo will go on. I think it'll probably be Jota who starts in place of even if even as is as the saying that his father could be released soon. I, I can't see Louis Diaz playing because you just too soon. I think. So I, I would expect it'll be Jotter up front. Yeah, I think I think I would tend to go 
in the camp in with the team that you've picked, Tom. To be fair, I can see the mid. I can see Curtis starting again back in midfield. I can see, and then so what? What? A, what a way to be able to do it with with Curtis maybe getting an hour and then putting putting Gravenberch on. You know what I mean on that side. You know what I mean? There's not going to be any drop-off in quality there. And as they're, as they're perhaps tiring a little bit, you know, then, then Gravenberch's extra pace, you know, in that area, you know, could be an absolute ace of a card to play. Um, and then I agree with the front three. I think I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get some good news about Louis' dad over the next sort of 24 hours or so. And then uh, maybe Louis will be be available to 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 be on the bench because he'd still be a good player to have there if you need him to give him twenty minutes or half an hour. But yeah, I mean Cody Cody has looked as though he's he's getting his, his form and his quality back. So he's a he's a really good player and I thought he, he was another one who sort of played well last night. But yeah, I I, I think it'll be Salah, Jotter and, and Nunes up front. So We'll now go round and ask for the predictions. So we'll start with you, Tom. Three 0 Les. I can I can see I can see goals. I can see Liverpool scoring. I, I think if I think if we get one early, again like I said against Everton, I know I was miles wrong there. But I think if we get an early goal against Luton, I think I think they could run a muck Liverpool there. Pete, I was going to say three one. I still think. Um... Luton have got something in them to cause us problems on, on set pieces and stuff. And as I say, I saw enough of them against Tottenham to so, you know that they, they can really, you know, cause problems. So I'll go for three one for us. Yeah, I'm going for for a two 0 victory for the Reds, um, and another three points in our quest for you know to you know for our quest to stay in the title race and hopefully edge your outcome may. So on that note, we'll end the latest edition of the late flag. And, you know, I'll finish by saying, I, I hope that by the next time we do this podcast after the Luton game, that the, the, the trauma that, that's affecting Louis Diaz and his family is over and his, his dad is home safe and sound. Um, and we're all thinking of you, Louis. Um, so anyway, as I always end the podcast by saying, justice for the 97, don't buy the sun, and you'll never walk alone. Thanks for listening, and until next time, see you soon.